Welcome to Get Paid for Your Pad, the definitive show on Airbnb hosting, featuring the best advice on how to maximize profits from your Airbnb listing, as well as real-life experiences from Airbnb hosts all over the world. Welcome. Get paid for your pad. 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 Before learning about Aviva IQ, I used to spend so much time managing my guest communications manually. Now, with Aviva IQ's easy-to-use automated service, my workload has reduced by 80%. Did I mention it's free? Automate your Airbnb messages now at www.avivaiq.com. Welcome to Get Paid for Your Pad. My name is Jesper, I'm your host, and today I'm hosting this episode with the one and only Glenn Carter, Head of Marketing of Hostly. Glenn, how's it going? It's going good, Jasper. How are you? I'm good, man. Are you safe from uh, Hurricane Irma there in uh, up north in Toronto? Yeah, I'm in Montreal, um, and oh, we Montreal. are we are very far away from the uh, the tragedy that's unfolding down south. It's just amazing watching the uh, the footage on on the news about what's going on. Yeah, it's it's pretty crazy, uh, actually. Uh, my country was affected a little bit too because we have a few tiny little islands in the caribbean one of them is called saint martin and uh it's i think 70 percent of the infrastructure has been wiped out so it's uh, it's pretty uh horrific the damage done there yeah and they're they're just getting now to to starting to plan out the disaster response and uh that's what a what a massive undertaking that's going to be absolutely and of course as always airbnb has uh created a special page where people can either find shelter or as an airbnb host you can sign up to provide free accommodation to people who had to flee for the storm the evacuees the url is a, is a bit difficult but if you uh, if you just google uh hurricane irma airbnb free listings and i'm sure you find it um, I've I've actually had a look at the site. There's quite a lot of homes being offered for free, all across uh, the southeast. Actually, there's there's people offering up their homes in North Carolina, South Carolina, Georgia, Alabama, even in Indiana. Uh, there's actually an article on uh, ABC News that talks about a family from Jacksonville, a family of four with two dogs. And you know the, the children uh, are uh, are autists, so they have special needs. And they drove seven hundred and ninety-five miles, if I recall correctly, to stay with Mister Thompson in Indiana. And uh, he offered this family to stay at his home for free. So a little shout out to Mister Thompson. Uh, he has a dance studio. It's called So Into Dance. So uh, definitely uh, props to him for having this uh, family and letting them stay for free yeah and there's still uh for all airbnb hosts out there who uh, have a little bit of uh, free space there's still time to sign up and i know airbnb's waiving all their service fees to book properties in these areas i think from the i think up until the 28th of september if i'm not mistaken jasper so uh encourage all airbnb hosts out there to to contribute and uh offer up some space yeah september 29th that's right okay awesome 
let's see, there was a little success story in regulation land. As most people probably are aware, Berlin is one of the places in the world where Airbnb has been made almost impossible, uh, especially if you want to rent out an entire home. There's a very strict uh, regulations on Airbnb hosting in Berlin and very high fines, up to 100,000 euros. So it's, uh, it's a bit scary, but there's um, one host who didn't agree with the strict regulations and he actually took the state of Berlin to court and because he wasn't allowed to rent out his uh, home on Airbnb, he didn't get a permit and he didn't take no for an answer. So he, he took the, the state to court and he won. And the court ruled that he should be allowed to rent out for 182 days per year, which is, uh, which is quite interesting because that's exactly half a year minus one day. So I guess the thoughts that the judge had was that, you know, if you live in a house and you're away, you should be allowed to rent out your place so that that space can be used efficiently and doesn't rest empty. And, you know, the, the limit was set at you know less than a half year. I guess 182 days is just less than half year. So that's an interesting time frame, uh, especially when you compare it to other cities like Amsterdam, London, and Paris, where it's like 60, 90, and 120 days. Yeah, it was interesting to see this number because like you mentioned, Jasper, in other areas, other municipalities, they, they were much lower than 182 days. So with Berlin being so anti-Airbnb, then to go to 182 days was a bit of a a bit of a, a change of heart, but I mean the the decision from the it was the Berlin Administrative Court. It, it was you know a good thing for Airbnb. It essentially overturned the earlier decision that banned effectively banned short term rentals. You know, in order for other Airbnb hosts now to be given the same permit, they'd have to go go through the same court process, which isn't really sustainable. But it's a step in the right direction, and and it's a tone that I think many other municipalities across the globe are are taking. Um, this sort of compromise that, you know, if it's your primary residence, um, you you should be able to rent it out for a certain certain period of time. So um, I think it's a, definitely a step in the right direction. And, you know, in, in major European cities as well, I think this is going to give more accommodation options for tourism as well. And I think there was another article about the UK and how there's been a surge in, uh, in Airbnb hosts there. So um, I think municipalities are going to realize as well that as they learn to compromise with platforms like Airbnb, they're going to also see a, a increase in uh, tourism dollars, which obviously helps out their local economies. Yeah, exactly. And it's an interesting discussion to have. You know, I think uh, I think most people agree that outside of the, the busy cities, the larger cities, uh, people should be allowed to, to do Airbnb. I mean, if you, if you own a property, then, you know, I believe you should be able to do whatever you want. Um, but I can see the arguments against that in, in the larger cities where there's a housing shortage. But I think outside of the larger city, everyone's kind of agree, right? But then the question is, uh, how long should people be allowed to rent out you know, in the in the busy city centers? I guess the the general consensus is that if you live somewhere and you go on a holiday, then you should be allowed to rent out your space because you know it doesn't help anyone that your apartment is sitting empty. You know, that's the whole idea of Airbnb. It's it's using resources in a more efficient way. It's using the space and for empowering people to 
you know, to make their space available when they're not using it so that other people can use it. So I think that argument probably everybody agrees on. What not everybody agrees on is then how long should people be allowed to do that? Because it's one thing to rent out your place when you're on holiday, but it's another thing when, you know, some investment firm buys up a bunch of apartments and lists them on Airbnb full time and never with without the intention of ever even living in that space. I think those are kind of the two ends of the spectrum and you know, somewhere in the middle, most people will will pick some point in the middle. Some people will say, well, you know, 30 days is reasonable. Like who goes on holiday more than 30 days? But then there's also people who travel a lot for work. Like, for example, there is an article about a host in, in Iceland, which is uh, it's an interesting article because this is a host who actually wants to play by the rules. Uh, her name is uh, quite complicated to pronounce, but let's just call her Maria. <laughs> and she works for a circus. And so she has to travel a lot for work. Uh, she might be out of the country for, let's say, like three, four, or up to six months. And then if there's a rule that says that you can only rent out for one month, then basically that means that the apartment's going to sit empty for you know all of the other time that she's out of town, which again doesn't really help anyone. So it's uh you know this is kind of a complicated uh, discussion but what what are your thoughts on that Glenn? Yeah, well I think I think more and more people are traveling with work and you know I think I absolutely agree with you that people should be allowed to do um what they want with their own property assuming that they're not affecting anyone else's ability to enjoy uh, enjoy life. So in, in large condo buildings I see the argument that you know um if I live next to an Airbnb rental that you know, every couple of days there's there's uh, there's new tenants in there, and I, I live in Montreal, so it's a big big party city. A lot of young people coming here, so I can I can definitely see the argument uh, there that um, I you know if I own a condo in a big high rise, I don't necessarily want to be living next door to that. But I think on the other side of the coin, you know, if if I'm traveling with work, I should there should be a certain amount of days that I should be allowed to to rent out uh, my own my own property while while I'm away, and that that gives me the opportunity to earn some extra income, which then I'm going to spend in in the local economy. But on the commercial side, it's it's tricky. It's not as cut and dry as saying, well, commercial operators aren't shouldn't be allowed where you know individual homeowners should, because you you think about all the all of these. Uh, I'm, I'm just thinking, you know, beach communities, you know, where there's, you know, some of the biggest businesses in these communities are vacation rental companies who have, you know, 100 properties and they're renting out, you know, beach houses. Are we are we now saying that they shouldn't be allowed on the Airbnb platform because they're um, because they're commercial operators? Well, I don't think so. They're they're a huge provider of jobs in these communities and they drive a lot of uh, tourism dollars in, in the local economy. So I think it's a very, very difficult discussion to have and I, it, there's a lot of gray areas but I think uh, I think Berlin has this this is a step in the right direction and uh, I think other municipalities are, are realizing that there are, are compromises but just to touch back on the commercial operators you know I'm not suggesting that commercial operators should be treated the same as individual hosts they certainly should be paying the the same uh, taxes that you know a hotel would so as long as they um, adhere to uh, municipal guidelines and, and bylaws and all that kind of thing. I think they should absolutely be allowed to operate on Airbnb. And you you think that's uh, that should be the case as well for like the busy city centers, like downtown Manhattan, places like that? Well, it it depends. It's a case by case. And that's why I'm really encouraged by seeing Airbnb negotiating at a very local level with these different municipalities, because what's what's true for 
you know, uh, beachfront San Diego isn't true for downtown Manhattan. So I think, I think downtown Manhattan might be a different, uh, might be a different story where someone shouldn't be allowed to buy up. Uh, and maybe Manhattan's a bad example, but I'm thinking like Vancouver where, um, housing prices are sky high and so are rents. You know, should someone be able to buy up an entire floor of a condo building and do Airbnb as opposed to long-term rental? There go putting stress on on the uh, already tight rental long-term rental market. Probably not, I think, in most cases. So, uh, but like I mentioned before, it's a case-by-case basis based on the municipality, based on the tourism industry, and I think uh, I think negotiating and coming up with uh, specific location-specific uh, regulations is a smart idea. There's been a incident in Christchurch in New Zealand, where a family from Malaysia, a family of 10, was admitted to hospital after suffering from burns and smoke inhalation after escaping a fire in a three-story summer house in a neighborhood called Clifton, Clifton Tice, if I, if I read correctly. And uh, the, the house was completely burned down. And this kind of raises the issue uh, that's being discussed a lot as well, the issue of safety. You know, there's uh, Airbnb has been advocating hosts to install safety uh, equipment such as smoke alarms and fire extinguishers. But, you know, obviously, obviously not everyone's doing that. If you're renting out a, a room or you're renting out a small house, now are you really going to uh, install all the smoke detectors and carbon monoxide detectors, uh, fire extinguishers, and and even uh, you know create like uh, evacuation plans and stuff like that. I think uh, for most people that's that's probably a step too far. I've never really uh, seen it in any of the Airbnbs where I stayed, but Airbnb now is uh, stepping up their efforts to to make people aware of the you know of the safety situation in their Airbnbs. They're they're talking about providing thirty six thousand smoke detectors for free but then the article also states that uh, uh, if you look on the website and you look at the terms and conditions uh, it actually means that the cost of the alarms will be deducted from the future host payments but again this article gives rise to an interesting discussion about you know to what extent should airbnbs you know provide the same the same type of safety precautions as hotels do what are your thoughts len um, I think I think there's an opportunity for Airbnb to to step up here. I know they I know they have responsible hosting guidelines, and uh, you know those asks all hosts adhere to safety precautions, local government safety regulations. But I don't know if they're enforcing that. I don't I don't know if there's a way of enforcing that. Um, I know, for instance, here in Montreal, if I have a long-term rental property. Um, every couple of years, I have to submit a, a document to the to the government saying that I have updated fire alarms. Uh, I've tested them and and sign so that I'm responsible if if something does happen to say that I've I've tested the fire alarms. They're up to date. I don't know if that's something that uh, that Airbnb can really enforce or wants to enforce, but I think there's an opportunity for exactly like you said, provide free uh, fire detectors to to Airbnb hosts uh, who want them like they did the photography thing for for a long time. I think there's an opportunity for Airbnb to step up here to sort of win in the PR battle that this is going to cause because it's going to happen again. I mean, this is a tragic story in uh, New Zealand, but um, it's going to happen again. And the Airbnb critics are going to jump all over it uh, again, showing that you know this is just another example of uh, 
wayward capitalism and uh, unregulated uh, illegal rentals gone bad. So I think I think Airbnb should be getting in front of this. Yeah, and the, you know the hotel industry has always argued that Airbnb should be exposed to the same safety regulations as the hotels are, which I think is not really a valid argument because if you have a hotel building with you know with fifty or hundred rooms, I mean that could be. You know, a bit of a labyrinth, like to find the nearest exit in a hotel is not very clear sometimes. But if you're staying in a small apartment, I mean, you know where the exit is, right? You know, you know where the front door is. Yeah. You, know, you don't really need a uh, you know safety card with information about evacuation routes. I mean, it's like you just run for the door. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, comparing a someone's condo that's an Airbnb rental to a hotel is uh, completely ridiculous. It's it's one hundred percent different. And I think uh, most hosts, I would hope, uh, have. I mean, at least in in probably most first world countries, there's uh, uh, guidelines for insurance purposes that a lot of people have to abide. Too, if you live in a building, um, I know my building here in Montreal. Uh, they come every year and test the the, the fire systems. But uh, yeah, I guess it's a case by case basis, and I think there's uh, it's it's an easy win, at least on the fire side. It's an easy win to to just provide fire detectors to, to Airbnb hosts who want them. Hosts, if you're anything like me, you have multiple standard messages you send to every guest. I used to copy-paste those messages every time I had a new guest. But then I learned about Aviva IQ, and I'm an absolute fan. I copied my repeatable messages into Aviva IQ and told it when I want each message to be delivered. Now, all my guests get personalized check-in messages and personalized check-out messages at the exact time I want them to, automatically. I also use Aviva IQ to send a message to guests when a vacancy exists after their scheduled checkout day and invite them to stay longer. It's amazing how it's turned into free money for me on multiple occasions already. So sign up for free at www.avivaiq.com. You'll be glad you did. Let's see what else is out there in the news today or this week. Uh, Britain has become a pretty popular place for travelers using the Airbnb platform. Airbnb has seen an 80% jump in visitors to Britain in the last year, uh, which is quite a substantial increase. And uh, apparently this has to do with the value of the pound going down quite a bit in uh, as a result of the uh, the Brexit. One pound now equals 1.33 US dollars where as where a couple of years ago it was all the way up to 160 170 so uh Britain's gotten a lot cheaper for uh for Americans it's uh kind of going back to the the 1950s where you know Americans could come to Europe and and uh, and live like a king for a fraction of the cost of what it was uh, in their in their homeland so a lot of uh, Americans taking advantage of that and uh traveling uh, to england not just americans i guess i mean for you don't know, leave for us canadians out even even canadians right <laughs> <laughs> i heard the yeah, canadian I'm, dollar is doing pretty well no yeah yeah we're actually uh we're uh we're doing pretty well our economy is rebounding nicely and our our central bank is raising interest rates which uh which is good and bad but uh yeah we're, we're doing pretty well i'm thinking of packing my bags and taking a tour to, to london myself 
Yeah. No, I would uh, but it was a, encourage it that. Was, it was a really, really interesting article. And what I really was intrigued by is the the number, the data that it, that it showed that, you know, the, the average UK host earns uh, 3,000 pounds, which is about uh, $4,000 US per year. Um, and they host an average of 36 nights per year. So again, this just drives home the point to me that I think is obvious to all of us who follow this is that, you know, this is mom and pop operations of people earning a couple extra bucks. I mean, $4,000 a year, uh, that's a lot of money to some, but it, we're not talking about, you know, uh, earning a second income. This is really just supplemental income and 36 nights per year is uh, ultra part-time. This is not full-time rentals. And uh, another thing I, I saw that was interesting is that this this increase in, in activity in Airbnb in the UK makes, makes it the fifth uh, largest geography for Airbnb globally. So I found that pretty interesting. And also, the, I mean, the data here, there's lots of data to comb through, but the, the average age of, a, of a, a host in the UK was 43. So I found that quite interesting. Would you expect that to be younger? Yeah, yeah, I thought I thought that that it would be younger, but I think we're we're seeing um, and actually the the fastest increasing demographic for them was uh, people over the age of sixty five deciding to host. So maybe this is retirees who are looking for a little a little side project to to bring in some supplemental income, keep them busy, keep them social, meet new people. Um, I've I've written about this before, and I know you have as well, Jasper. That uh, I think. Well, the sharing economy platforms more generally, but Airbnb in particular is a fantastic retirement gig for for a lot of people because there's there's so many benefits from you know staying social, active, meeting new people, a little bit of supplemental income, all that, that stuff. It's it's great for retirees. Absolutely. By the way, different topic, but are you into Bitcoin and blockchain technology? I've obviously heard of it, but I'm not overly familiar with that. There's a couple of platforms. Uh, that are raising money now on you know through these uh, digital currencies. Uh, one of them is called Winding Tree. One of them is called Atlant. And uh, and these companies envision that in the future we won't be needing centralized platforms like Airbnb and you know with big companies like Airbnb to uh, to match demand and supply. They uh, they envision a world where you know this could all be done on the blockchain technology and so you know obviously we're in the very very early stages and it's a big question mark if this is actually going to uh going to happen but uh, i did find it interesting because when you look at these uh these companies you know they're, they're raising a lot of money um there's there's all sorts of companies popping up in the uh in the blockchain space and these companies Basically, based on the white paper, they're raising millions and millions of dollars, up to a hundred million dollars sometimes, which is kind of crazy. It kind of rem reminds me of the uh, dot com uh, times, you know, when you had a startup and you were doing something with the internet. Just showing that you were getting some users was enough reason for investors to just pour millions of dollars into into the company. That's like kind of what uh, what looks like it's going on again. Uh, but anyway, I've been talking to the people behind uh, Atlant, which is definitely an interesting platform. I, I don't completely understand it yet. But anyway, I just wanted to mention it. I'm, I'm talking to the to the people behind it. And hopefully, we'll uh, I'll get one of them to come on the podcast to explain how Airbnb and the blockchain could be combined and how in the future, potentially, the blockchain technology could make companies like Airbnb obsolete. Wow, that's uh, it's a bold statement. I don't really have an opinion on that because I'm not overly familiar with the technology, but it's definitely making uh, 
making a splash because I read an article yesterday that uh, I think it was in Manhattan. There was a condo development that they're actually accepting Bitcoin as payments for for units in that building, and it's the first first time that's ever ever happened. Yeah, I mean, Bitcoin is definitely becoming uh, more accepted in different businesses. But the the one thing I will say is that you know the the question that I have is. Do these businesses actually hold on to those bitcoins, or do they just convert them back into the local currency immediately? Where it's it's almost more like an exchange service, where you know there's these companies, for example, BitPay. Like if you if you order something online with bitcoins, what happens is that you know the intermediary will take the bitcoins and will sell them to the local currency, and then will provide the business owner with the local currency. So you know, in my opinion, I'd be I'd be really interested to see if if companies are actually going to allow payments in Bitcoin and then actually hold on to them. So that's uh, we'll we'll see if that's going to happen in the future. All right, Len, thank you so much for joining me today and discussing the news in the world of Airbnb. It was a pleasure as always, and uh, looking forward to uh, talking to you again in uh, in about three or four weeks or so. Yes, Jasper, you too, and uh, I hope you enjoy Stockholm. Do you have any uh, specific uh, tourism plans on the on the go today? Uh, no, I I am here uh, actually participating in a coaching program, so I'm actually going to be working the next few weeks. I'm going to be pretty busy, so not not too much time for sightseeing. All right, well, good luck and uh, great chatting with you as always. All right, and for the listeners, thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed this podcast episode. And of course, on Monday, we'll be back with another one. So hopefully, I'll see you then. Bye-bye. Get paid for your pet. 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 Get paid for your pet.